Um, okay, so we are going to continue to go through the sermon series of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Um, I think if we were to break it down into uh, some fruit smoothies, uh, it would look like this. This is the fruit of the Spirit, that it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are qualities that God produces within us, and these are also qualities I assume that we all want to have. I don't know that there's anyone in the room that's like, I don't want more patience, and, and I don't want more faithfulness. We, we want these things. I want more of these in my life. And so this idea that God produces these in me, and at the same time, I'm working with Him to produce these things in my life. And so when we talk about working together with God, we the Bible refers to that as something we call discipleship. And discipleship is that I am partnering with God, that Jesus is the teacher, and I am the student, and I work with other people to help the, the fruit grow in my life. Um, and so how do we grow as students of Jesus? And, and it's not this mysterious thing, how do, how do we grow? Well, how do you make almost anything grow? I don't think any of us would go to the store and I know that every springtime I go to Costco and they have the tomato plants there. I do, I'm just a sucker. I buy them every year for some reason. I think this might be my last year because I can't make them grow. So you go there and how do you make almost anything grow? I don't go to Costco and buy the three pack of tomatoes with my vision of like pico de gallo nonstop in my life. And then I just take those plants and then I just throw them on my driveway. Because that's not how you make something grow. You get that thing and you plant it in good soil and you water it and you love it and you speak to it kindly. Um, so how we make things grow? We, we root ourselves in Christ. We need to be rooted in Him. We need to be put ourselves in good soil. We want to put ourselves in a place to where we can grow in fellowship with one another, in small groups, potlucks, all of these things that we are rooted in Him. We're rooted in prayer and that we speak to Him. We're rooted in fellowship and that we walk with one another as we, as we follow Him. And then we're also rooted in Him and that we share what God does in us, um, sharing the gospel with other people. And so the, the fruit of the Spirit text is in Galatians 5, 22, uh, verses, uh, or five, chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. And it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So today we're going to be talking about kindness. Um, and I think it's a universal experience to be drawn to kindness. When we see someone being kind, it's something that we all can recognize and really appreciate. Uh, living in the world that we do, there are so many examples of power being used poorly, whether it's selfishness, anger, hate, racism, people being categorized by their social class. Um, and, and so when I look around the world, I see this idea of like scarcity. There's only so much to go around and we all need to grab as much as we can because I need to get mine. And, and there, again, there's only so much to go around. But the kingdom of God is different. 
and that we believe that whether we're rich or poor, that God is enough for us. And no matter how much money we have or power, fame, or recreation, none of that can compare to being in Christ. Um, so the starting point for kindness is, has to be our relationship with Jesus. That's where it starts. Why am I kind? Um, because I'm in Christ. And kindness is where we show mercy, grace, love, and charity. There are a ton of examples of Christians being kind. Um, one of the earlier ones, and really profound, is that in the Roman world, Jesus, where Jesus lived and existed, uh, in the Roman world, if you had a child that was deformed, or if you had a child that you didn't want, one of the things that you could do is actually take that child outside the city walls of Rome and discard that child. Throw it out there. And for the pagans, um, I don't think it was a big deal, obviously. And so they would put discarded babies outside the walls of Rome. And one of the earliest things that we see Christians doing as they start to follow Christ is that they would go outside the city walls and they would take these children into their homes. They would literally adopt these children. And so you see this kindness that is so amazing even in the early Christians as they go out and they rescue these these babies I mean we have a ton of examples of Christians being kind um, Mother Teresa what a simple example and the thing that I love about Mother Teresa is is if you really break down what it is that she actually did I don't really know that Mother Teresa, and this is really funny to say, did anything really amazing, to be honest. She went to Calcutta, and she started picking up poor people. That doesn't take an a aerospace engineer degree. It doesn't take a million dollars in cash. It doesn't require that you're some genius or very talented in any special way. There was an interviewer once in this documentary that I have, and this man ran up to Mother Teresa and said, Mother Teresa, no one can do what it is that you knew. No one else can do what it is that you can do. And she said, no, you're wrong. Everyone can do what it is that I do. She, just, she loved poor people. Um, Damien the leper. What a fantastic story this guy is. Back in the day, um, one of the, I think it's Molokai, one of the islands in Hawaii was a leper colony for the Hawaiians who had leprosy. And so they couldn't find anyone who would go out there and would minister to them. And so Damien decided that he was going to take it upon himself to go to uh, Molokai or one of the islands in Hawaii, and he was going to be there and minister to the people who had leprosy. And he ended up dying of, of leprosy. But again, this like desire to be kind, to be focused on someone else. There's a Jesuit priest named uh, Peter Claver. And Peter Claver uh, would go and when they would bring in the slaves um, to, and I forget where he was at, when they would bring the slaves in, that Peter Claver would go and minister to the slaves and attempt to convert them to Christianity so that then he could speak to the slave owners and say, You're, you treat this person well because this is a brother or sister in Christ. 
And he did this ministry over and over and over again to try and help these people to come to know Christ and then to be able to help the slave owners to treat them in a more upstanding way. You have Brother Gregory, who's down in L.A. He's part of a ministry called Homeboy Ministries. And Homeboy Ministries is he started a bakery, and the only people he employs are ex-gang members. So when you look at this picture and you're like, man, that looks like a rough crew. All of these people are ex-gang members who have been to prison and now work at Brother Gregory's um, bakery, Homeboy Ministries. Again, you know, none of these things, I mean, they sound, uh, I don't know that going to an island in Hawaii that's full of lepers, it's not impossible for any of us. It's that the most of us would say, no thanks, I love Netflix and I want to stay here and go to Costco every Sunday, right? So you see these amazing stories of kindness. Again, the, these acts of kindness really stand out to us. This is a, this is a real picture um, from a uh, the protests that were happening um, during the time when you know the George Floyd stuff was happening and so there was a BLM uh, protest that was happening in England somewhere and so the counter protester is the white guy and the counter protester got beat up so badly that he needed to be carried out and who's carrying him out I mean it's a really powerful picture I mean, everyone stopped to look at this. This huge guy carrying this enemy, guy that's like yelling things at him, telling him that his protest is dumb. And yet when it comes down to it, that's the guy that ends up taking him out. Um, when I was a younger believer, I, I remember listening to this song back in the day the vineyard used to put out albums they still do and there was this song called throne of grace and i was listening to it and i you know because i didn't grow up as a christian so i was used to listening to like led zeppelin and the beatles and all these things and so worship music christian music was a new thing to me and so i was listening to the song called throne of grace and um there's a line in it that says, it's your kindness that leads to repentance. And I remember I was in my room listening to this song and I just started breaking down crying. I just, I knew, I was like, man, it really is your kindness that you are so kind to me. No matter what I do, you're so kind to me. And I experienced the kindness of God and that I'm forgiven of all I've ever done. And by what he's done for me. His sacrifice for me. In Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says this, You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God, in his justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Or, like in the song, his kindness leads us to repentance. 
Before I knew God, I thought that he was this mean guy up in the clouds with lightning bolts just waiting to like get me, uh, you know. But what I found in Christ, and to be honest, what I found in this church, and this is a church that I started following Christ in, uh, was acceptance and kindness and grace and meaning. I hadn't experienced any of that before, or it was all conditional. If I got kindness, it was conditional. But then I was hanging out with people that said and acted like they unconditionally loved me. And it transformed my whole world. I think most of us have moments where God intersects our lives, um, where he shows up in the here and now, because he's not just working then and there, uh, then and there. And that he is the living God. And I've, I've spoken with hundreds of thousands of, like, not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds and thousands of Christians. And most folks have this, like, highlight moments in their life where God met them. Um, these times where you remember and you're like, God really did something in that moment that was so profound. It changed the trajectory of my life because you know that you met God in that moment. Um, again, I didn't grow up. Uh, following Christ. So becoming a Christian was all really new to me. And so when I was said yes to Jesus, uh, there was a still, I wasn't like all in right then at that moment. I mean, I was still partying and doing all these things. And one night um, I lived on Placer Street with some other guys. We were fighting fire with the Forest Service and we were up all night drinking, just getting hammered. But this is when I'm going to church. And the other thing that's really funny, right? Like I've been tithing my entire walk with Christ and I always went to church on Sunday morning. So I'm up all night partying, doing stuff with this gal that I shouldn't be doing and probably got to bed at like 4 a.m. And so um, the guy from the worship team, because I was playing on the worship team, he would come to my house at about 7 a.m. So here it is, 7 a.m., I'm up, ready to go, because I'm going to church, because I follow Jesus. And so I go to church, and I'm playing on the worship team. And I remember, I don't even remember what we did that day, um, but I, I felt gross about the things that I had been doing. I was like, oh, man, this is, like, funky. Everyone's still at the house. Every, we're all hungover. And it's just nothing good was coming out of that. And so I remember sitting there in the building. I can still remember sitting on like this side over here. It wasn't in this building. I still remember where I was sitting. And I felt the overwhelming mercy of God in that moment. I felt so sick and gross about what it is that I had done all night. I hadn't earned any type of like kudos or you're being a good follower of Christ. Um, I experienced the mercy. I, I can never deny that for the rest of my life, that in that moment I felt the overwhelming mercy and love of Christ. And again, um, not for anything that I had done. I still had to go home and see everybody and see this gal and... But I can't deny, man, that I showed up and God just flooded me with his mercy and grace and his kindness. And so that's really important for us um, because being kind to one another is a byproduct of knowing the kindness of God, or if I would say it another way, the depth of my relationship to others, how I interact with other people is a reflection of the depth of my relationship with Christ. How I treat other people 
is a theological reflection or even a relational reflection of the, of the relationship and the depth of my relationship with Christ. That's very important, right? Because how I see other people, if, I, right, if I'm judgmental or legalistic or all of these things, I don't know that that's the way that Christ operates with me. He has not up until this point. Um, so again, how do we, ex we experience the grace and the kindness of God and then we give it away to other people? And here's the thing when we're talking about the kindness of God. It really is available all the time. It's available right here and right now. Like we can experience it all the time. And we can ask him for it. And, and sometimes, if we're being honest, and I like to be honest, and I've been following Jesus for a while now, sometimes I feel it and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I ask, and I feel it, and sometimes I ask, and I'm like, yo, where are you? What's up? But then, again, that helps me to go back to those times where I'm like, no, I know that I know, because I've experienced him such a way in the past that I know he's in the present. But we can ask him all the time. Ask him to reveal himself to you. He will. He is the living God. So again, the starting point for our kindness is his kindness towards us. And if we want more of his kindness, we just have to ask. To say like, Lord, I need more of your kindness. Show me where your kindness is at. Um, and he will, I mean, he's not going to be bummed out that you're asking him. It's like, you know, a kid coming up to your kid coming up to you and saying, I want another hug. Right? You're not going to be like, no. This is ridiculous, Billy. You should know by now. Who's going to say no? <laughs> it's been a really long day, right? Exactly. Well, God doesn't have long days. So if you ask him, he will show up. So he gives us our, the kindness, and this is really important. He gives us the kindness so that we can experience it and say, Lord, thank you so much. I experienced your kindness. But he gives us this kindness at the same time so that we can give it away to other people. It's not just for us, okay? The kingdom is for you, but it's not just for you. The kingdom is for you, and then it's to be given away to other people. Um, so again, he doesn't intend for his kindness to end with me. I think a great example of this, I don't know if anyone in this room has been a part of this, where someone, you go to a Starbucks drive-in and somebody pays for their drink and then the person behind them. Has anyone been a part of that in here? Really? I mean, that's pretty cool. This idea that you're like, I'm going to just gift these people. I, I don't know these people behind me, but I'm just going to gift them for no reason other than just to gift them. And so this idea of like this acts of kindness, right? And so I think if people would be willing to do that for Starbucks, I think like how much more with the kingdom of God? Like, I want to share this with other people. And, and genuinely, I do. I've experienced things that are so wonderful. It would, how could I just keep them to myself? So again, the kingdom is given to us so that we can give it away to others. Uh, and I think that if we actually just took the words of Jesus seriously and did what he said as his students, I think we could do all, just so many amazing things. Um, in Matthew um, Chapter 5, verses 43 through 48, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. 
He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So this idea of, of loving your enemies, what would the world look like if we really took Jesus' words seriously and did this? It's way easier to read Jesus' words than it is to live them out. You're like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to show that to Bob because I think he thinks I'm his enemy. Bob, love me. It is. It's easier to read them than that. I know that I'm guilty. This is a, this is a good um, example. I know that one of the things that I do, and I'm going to stop from here on out because I feel convicted, is that I will hold open the door for people. I'm like, here, let me get the door for you. And if they don't say thank you, I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> but I think I'm done. I was like, that's a good experience that I need to stop like right now. Okay. I have enough bad examples in my life. I, don't, I can stop that one at least. Um, what if Christians were known for loving their enemies? Like genuinely. What if Christians were known? What I mean, and I'm not asking you right now. What are Christians known for? What if Christians were known for loving their enemies? Like. I don't know much about them, but one thing I do know, they love their enemies. They love their enemies. Uh, it's <laughs> Jesus says, love your enemies. It's right there. It's not like conditional. Hey, if, if you guys think about it, um, and are reminded one day, maybe you should love your enemies. So, a fruit of the Spirit is kindness. I receive it, and I'm meant to share it. I experience God's kingdom, Jesus, and overflows to others in my life. So how do I become a more kind person? Well, first is to experience the kindness of God. That's the starting point for all of these things. I'm not kind because I'm trying to be a good person. I'm not kind because I want to go out there and try and get compliments. And, you know, I'm kind because he has been so kind to me. So kind. I deserve way different than what I'm getting from him. And that the depth of my relationship to others is a reflection of the depth of my relationship with Christ. How I treat others says a great deal about my understanding and my relationship with Christ. Last story. I was my, we were fortunate enough to be able to go to Costa Rica last Thanksgiving. And so my friend and I, again, the same guy was up all night with <laughs> the, the other story. He's still my best friend, uh, even though he's not following Christ, but we love him anyways. I love my enemies. And uh, we're, we're, we surf, and so we're like, hey, let's go to Costa Rica and let's go surfing. So we're surfing, and we're at this beautiful spot, uh, Playa Avellanas. And there's all these people out there surfing. And I'm on this wave. And there was a surf instructor inside this local. 
And um, I was on this wave, and he was telling me, he's all, grab your board if you fall. Grab your board. Grab your board. And I let the board flip out, and it almost hit his customer, right? And so he's all, hey, man, you should have grabbed your board. I'm like, whatever, dude. Just chill out and get over it, right? So then I paddle back out into the waves, and it's me and my buddy and then, like, several locals. And so I start hearing this guy He's all, hey, Blanco. And Blanco in Spanish means white. And then there was some other words after that, because evidently, as like, they're not the only ones in the world that like to learn um, another language's bad words. And so they're all they're like, hey, Blanco, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Blanco. And my buddy looks at me. He's all, hey, I think we're getting chirped down. And I'm like, I, I'm all, and I knew what had happened, but he didn't. And I said, you think we are? They're like, cat calling us he's all I think they are he's all I think it's because I'm surfing so bad that's what he said and I didn't tell him anything I'm all yeah that might be why so they kept saying like hey Blanco blah blah you know and it was kind of scary I'm like are we gonna get beat up like what's going on and so we moved down and and we go to this different area on the beach because I literally I'm like we're gonna get beat up and it was funny that my buddy thought it's because he was surfing so bad so anyways we go to the parking lot and this surf instructor uh, I see him come out And like, I gotta go talk to this guy. And I need to apologize to him. Because what I did was wrong. And that's not cool. And I don't wanna go out like that. That's not who I wanna be. And there's no reason that I should have done what I did. And I was wrong. And I need to go and apologize. So I went up to him. He is a big dude. And he was a phenomenal surfer. He was so cool. As I came in, I'm really sorry for what it is that I did. I was wrong. I should have grabbed my board. That was my bad. Um, I, and you need to be prepared for this. Sometimes when you apologize to people, I was lectured for at least two and a half minutes about why I was wrong. And I'm like, yes, I was wrong. And I really do apologize for what it is that I did. And so I apologize to it. I owned my stuff, man, because I wanted to be kind. I don't, I don't want to be some rude. That's not who I am. I could have just bounced out and like gone and done my like visiting a different country thing and not cared. But I care, right? Because I care about who I am and I care about being seen by him and how I operate. And again, the, the way in which I treat under other people is a reflection of my relationship with him. Why do I want to be rude to him? Why? I don't want that in any way, shape, or form. And so, um, yeah, I apologized. And I never told my friend it was because he was surfing so poorly. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I did. Because <laughs> I try to be kind. Um, all right, so we're going to do what we've been doing here recently called the question for Jesus. This is just where we ask a, a question uh, for Jesus, uh, of Jesus, because Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here, and he speaks to us. And so um, we just ask a very simple question. I'm going to put it on the screen here in a moment, and then we're just going to sit. We're going to ask Jesus the question, and then um, you just listen for the first thing that pops into your head. Um, and it sounds like Jesus. And if you have difficulty in hearing the voice of God, um, then, uh, again, just the first thing that pops into your head that sounds like Jesus. And then what we're going to do, we're not going to do the three by five cards today. We're just going to share what we experienced or heard with a neighbor, um, just in a way of practicing community with one another. So you ask Jesus the question, 
listen for his voice, and then we'll share that with uh, somebody else. So here is the uh, question for Jesus. Jesus, when have you been kind to me? So you just sit with that for a little bit. That's fine. Okay, um, if you want to participate, that's great. If you don't, that's fine. Just sit around a couple minutes. And so now what we're going to do is you're just going to share with the person next to you or someone near you. If you want to get up, you can. If you don't want to get up, you don't have to. And then you just share with that person. Um, Jesus, when have you been kind? Whether it was a picture, a word, or whatever came to your mind, go ahead and share that. Let's do like 30 more seconds. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. We're going to have communion. We do this every Sunday. just an amazing symbolism of 
the kindness of Christ right here. I know that oftentimes it's easy to overlook what this really means and that it's just a cracker and wine, but this represents the body and the blood of Christ. That on the last night that he was with his disciples, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, take this, this is my body. And that his body was broken for us, each and every one of us in the room. He allowed that to happen. He could have done it so many different ways, but he allowed his body to be broken. And that the wine represents his blood that was poured out for our sins. Everything you've done. He doesn't love you because you're good. He doesn't dislike you because you're bad. All of your sins have been covered by the blood of Christ. That we are accepted as we are. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more or less. He just loves us. Because he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to pour, be poured out for us. The way that we do communion, the communion table is open for anyone who is a follower of Jesus or anyone who would like to start following Jesus today. The way that we do it is you come down the center aisle here, you grab a piece of the cracker, you dip it into the wine, and then you'll go around the sides like this so that people can flow. Uh, like that, and so if you want to come down and take communion, please do. Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you for calling us, for forming us in our mother's womb, for wanting us. Thank you for your fellowship with us. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that you allowed your body to be broken and your blood to be poured out for us. Help us to see you rightly. Help us to know you and hear your voice more often. Thank you, Lord. Let's partake. Bless you. While we stand, I'm going to... There'll be some folks up here after the service to pray for you if you want to pray for anything. If maybe experience the kindness of God is something that you really wrestle with, we'd love to pray with you and uh, help you to experience that or if anything else that's going on in your life that you need prayer for. Uh, if not, I'm just going to pray a prayer blessing and go on with the rest of our day. Lord, we thank you for this time to be able to gather. We thank you for the gift of church brothers and sisters, to be able to walk out this journey with. Lord, we ask that you would continue to help us to grow in you, that we would continue to experience your presence and to be able to know that we're loved, to be able to experience your kindness and know you as being kind, to be able to experience your grace and know that you're graceful and good, and that you love us, and that we can ask you at any point in time to reveal yourself to us and you will in some way so lord i ask that this week this day that you would reveal yourself to us 
and that each one of us would see you in a way that is special to ourselves and that we can know that you see us and that you're with us. And we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want a prayer, please come on up.